Welcome to this month's GPS Training Podcast. It's our July edition and it's also our 24th episode. On this month's podcast, we have Ollie from Casio, we have Tom from Garmin, we have Ian from GPS Training, and of course myself, John, who's also from GPS Training. So, without further ado, let's get on with today's podcast. It's our 24th podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to look at the following. We have Ollie from Casio, who's flown up all the way from Southampton to be on this GPS training podcast. We talk over with him the new Casio ProTech smartwatch, the WSD F30. That's a catchy name, isn't it? We then discuss with Ian about going overseas with your outdoor GPS unit this summer, some of the mapping options and some of the other things you need to think and change before you're going overseas. We're going to discuss this for both Garmin and SatMap users. We then have Tom on from Garmin, but this time we're not going to talk about Garmin GPS units, but we're going to discuss the shift of the magnetic north. I know this is a subject that's been in the press a lot recently, so we'll discuss exactly what's going on with this big shift of the magnetic north. And then finally, we have Ian's FAQs, the questions he's been asked on during some of the courses he's been leading over the last month. And as always, we'll have Garmin FAQs and SatMap FAQs. The first thing on this month's podcast is a chat with Ollie from Casio, all about the Casio ProTech smartwatch. So Ollie, this ProTech smartwatch, it's been around for a number of years now. It's it's a third generation uh, smartwatch. We've had the, for the ProTech smartwatch, we've had the F10, F20, and now the F30. Exactly. So is this kind of Casio's first step into the outdoor world of GPS watches? Is it, or have we been here before with some other products? Yeah, so it's our first step into the outdoor with a smartwatch, GPS watch. Um, We started, you know, Casio are well known in the market for ProTrek watches, just our traditional watches. Um, You know, they they brought out their first um, ProTrek watch with three axis um, compass with barometer and altimeter in 1994. Okay. So ProTrek as a brand has been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, we've also, of course, got G-Shock. It's quite a big brand, that G-Shock, isn't it? It is, really? yeah. It's kind of, um, it's, well, these G-Shock is these indestructible watches, aren't exactly. they? Exactly, yeah. That's that's exactly what they're pitched at, and, and that's exactly what they are. They won't become a G-Shock watch yeah. unless they can pass a certain certification. So, right. And they've been with us since the late 19... 1983, or, right, yeah, yeah, a long time now. Brilliant. So then the... In the ProTech War, the first F10, so again, if you're watching on Facebook or you're going to look at as a video, we've actually got some on um, our wrist. I've got an F20 on the wrist and you've got an F30 got on the wrist. I've got the F30, yeah. So. And the one in the box, the front's F30. That's the F30, F30 as well. As well. Yeah, so exactly. we started back, or you started back with the this this F10 three years ago, didn't you? Yeah, and it's, exactly it's, that. Uh, Android based. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's not Android, is it? It's no, Wear it's, OS it's, it's, by Google. It's Wear OS by Google, yeah, exactly. So it's open, you know, them calling it Wear OS is because the fact that Google um, don't want to target this um, operating system at only Android users. Okay. Uh, it's open to iOS users as well. Yeah. Um, so that's why the name change came because it was Android Wear yeah. and now it's become Wear OS. Okay. Um, so yeah, back in 2016, we launched the, the F10. Um, it was our first outdoor rugged smartwatch uh, mm-hmm. running on this Wear OS system. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it didn't have uh, GPS, but it was built to military standard, and it had your your three your three axis sensors or mm-hmm. your your three sensors that the uh, the Protrex always traditionally had. And the key thing that's continued on through each of those ranges is it has this dual layer screen, doesn't it? Which is totally does. unique to Casio. Yeah, yeah. So it's got this dual layer um, screen. So the bottom screen that's running the smartwatch runs on a at the moment on the F30 it runs on an OLED screen. Yes. Um, but it's got this this second layer LCD screen on top, mm-hmm. which is to save battery. So when you're not using the smartwatch um, you might be able to see it here but it, it flicks to this LCD screen mm-hmm. it just you know at the moment on my watch it's just giving me the time the date uh, how much battery I've got um, and you know just some simple functions yeah it still measures your steps and everything when you're on that screen doesn't it the does. functionality yeah is still exactly there, yeah everything that. is still running in the background as normal and then literally as you turn it to look at it it flicks now too. exactly yeah so I flick at it and it opens up brilliant so F10 was the first one say no GPS in that point but the first step into the outdoor world exactly. and yeah. then in 2017 the F20 came along and replaced it didn't we yeah the F20 came along it added the uh, the GPS it, it built on what the F10 had um, in you know it's built to military spec uh, you still get all your text messages, notifications, but adding that GPS meant that working with uh, an application like ViewRanger, mm-hmm. which is one of our key app partners, we can then actually uh, integrate ordnance survey mapping. Uh, we can download routes, and we can, you know, uh, you know, upload and share routes as well. And that's the key thing, as far as I can see, with the Casio, you know, the Casio watch in this case is actually this view ranger app exactly. so again yeah Odin survey 125,000 yeah 50, exactly yeah down to 1 to 25,000 and then there's I mean this isn't this isn't just exclusive for the UK so any country you go to okay. you can download that country's mapping and many of our listeners and watchers will have used the view ranger app and then people that not only are we just looking at an Odin survey map but people share routes on there don't yeah. we yeah and you can download those onto the watch yeah exactly I mean you know when we came up we were having a look at the watch this morning and I just went into the ViewRanger app. I went into the routes, went into nearby, and mm-hmm. it found you know a good twenty routes that I could actually download straight to the watch mm-hmm. straight away. And the nice thing is though, you can download those onto the watch, download the maps onto the watch, and you could do that with Wi-Fi or via your mobile phone. Yep. But then when you go off grid and into the countryside, everything's actually on the watch. Yeah, isn't exactly. It? As long as you've downloaded that prior to going, mm-hmm. um, then it will be there when you go offline. Mm-hmm. So that's the key thing. On ViewRanger, which is ordinary survey maps, and again. With ViewRanger, it's a subscription, isn't it, I think? Yeah, so for, I mean, it depends on what country you go to, mm-hmm. the subscription. But in the UK, for a full uh, 1 to 25, down to 1 to 25 mapping, I think it's twenty four ninety nine a year. Yeah. Um, so cost effective. Very cost effective. And so you can just download that directly exactly. onto your watch. Yep. The other thing, because we're in this Wear OS by Google Operator System, we have a loads of other apps we can download because it is a smart watch that yeah, you can exactly. download apps on it so again if you do other activities as well as walking mm-hmm. this watch can be utilized for those activities can't it yeah exactly one of the you know one of the huge applications that we um that works on the watch is strava yeah. so for cyclists and runners you know strava is a huge um pool of information in one place mm-hmm. and they can just without their phone as well they quick click record on the watch mm-hmm. go for a run when they get back and it syncs to the phone it just pings all that data over to their Strava um, you know other apps you know the, it's got some weird and wonderful apps that we work with so for example if you're into fishing we, we work with an app partner called Fishbrain yeah. uh, and Fishbrain uh, is like a social media for fishermen right. where they can go on and share data about you know the type of fish they've caught in yeah, the local yeah. area what time of day they caught it and, uh-huh. and, uh, and all some cool information like that but then again golfers for example yeah. we work with the, the number one golfing app 
um, yeah. for the phone, which is a whole 19. Wow. So on, you can transfer that data to the watch. You mm-hmm. can see the distance to the front, middle and back of the green mm-hmm. all on your watch. Mm-hmm. So we're not just focusing on one sport, which is obviously our key, which is the outdoors. Yes. But this is a multi-sport watch for others. And there's, don't get me wrong, there's skiing, there's surfing, there's, mm-hmm. there's even horse riding. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's open apps like Spotify as well yeah. that you can download, and, and that's just to control your music. Uh-huh. I think the key thing about I've had, so I've been wearing this for the last week or ten days, and actually it took me a little while to get used to a touchscreen watch because actually uh-huh. I'm so used to buttons within it. But actually once I get used to it and I use gestures, it, it's a very easy way to navigate around. Again, with that Google operating system in place, um, it's it's it is well, it has to be good because actually exactly, it powers yeah. so many other devices as well. And then with the GPS and then turn it with the uh, the View Ranger app, we're, we're ready for the outdoors. Exactly that. Yeah. So moving on, F30 was launched early this year. Wasn't yeah. It? So I mean, the, the the F30 launched actually late last year, but stock only came to the UK in January 2019. So the real launch was in 2019. Um, the the F30 is is smaller. It's mm-hmm. lighter. Um, we've got rid of the flat bottom screen mm-hmm. that we had on the F20. So it's got a full round screen now. Um, it uses an OLED um, screen rather than the old LED screen, mm-hmm. so the quality is really high. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really quick um, processor mm-hmm. inside, so it's smooth and you don't get any lag on the watch, which is fantastic. Um, then also, we've improved on the battery life. Um, so one of the things you may have found on the F20 is you're probably charging it every day, yeah. and by the end of the day, you've probably got 30%, exactly so right, you need yeah. to charge it. That's what that's what I found when, mm-hmm. when using it for most things. Mm-hmm. Um, with the F30, I use mine day in, day out, mm-hmm. and I'm getting two days at least, mm-hmm. and then I'm charging it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I mean, it's not a difficult charge. It's just a magnet charger. Yeah. You, you know, you get used to charging things at night, yeah. but being a... a a touchscreen smartwatch yeah. you're never going to get the battery life that watches that aren't touchscreen yeah. can and when we're navigating so talking about battery life so we're using two days kind of battery life when we're out walking using it as a smartwatch and that kind of thing but actually when we're out using the gps on it and actually navigating what type of battery life would be getting there so easy i'm going for a day's walk and i'm going to plug it into the mains i'm going to charge it as i would with any other smartwatch or yeah. any other outdoor handheld gps unit if i'm then going out walking how how many hours would i get out on one charge you'd, you'd easily get as a minimum around 12 hours right We've we've pushed it up to about eighteen hours okay. on testing. That was actually using View Ranger, mm-hmm. um, but then we do have different modes that you can put it in to save battery life. So, right. for example, we've got a mode called Extend Mode. Yes. And what Extend Mode does is it will turn off your um, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. but keep on the GPS. Yes. So as long as you've uh, saved the mapping that you want to the device before you turn that into that mode, mm-hmm. you can still use the GPS. You can still use the mapping, and that will push the battery life up to three days. Mm-hmm. So that's a uh, great if you're going out for the whole weekend uh, and that's that's also based on using that gps for eight hours a day yes yeah. um, we've then got a, another mode which is um it's called multi-timepiece mode mm-hmm. you go into this and you select outdoor mm-hmm. and what this does is this actually shuts down the smartwatch okay but it, the dual layer lcd on top remains on okay and what it will show you is on the outside it will show you a compass yeah and a direction of where you're going uh, an altimeter and a barometer for up to 30 days yeah so if you had a hundred percent battery you'd get 30 days yeah. if you turned it off at, if you turn the mode on at 
25 batteries, mm -hmm. you'd probably get a week out of it. Right. Um, and also time and date on that mode mm -hmm. as well. So. That's what I really like. So I say I had it, I'd been having it for a week. And when I first had it, I had that, my, my screen on all the time. Then I, I realised actually I'm playing with it. I'm just, yeah, it wasn't yeah. lasting as long. But then we realised it's got these two screens on it and I went to the other way. Suddenly, as you say, I'm charging at 30% after a day where yeah. before I was looking, it was 5%. So exactly. actually yeah. just by understanding that watch a little bit better, it's improved the performance massively. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The key thing is I keep going back to is ordnance survey, you know, view range ordnance survey, yeah. downloadable onto And if people haven't used view range, it's this way you can share routes. I think that's a really key thing. So it is, just yeah. sitting at home and going, because we, we're quite raw where we are. The first night you kind of go, oh, there's the, there's that walk that I do, and actually just yeah. download it onto it. That's really quite a nice, sophisticated. No yeah. need to connect it to your laptop or anything like that. It's all done directly yeah. onto it. And you can still download your own routes on. You can even do that on a computer or on your phone, and then send them to the watch. Yeah. And and um, so on the ViewRanger app, you can get your your grid, your six reference, your yeah. six figure grid grid reference. Yes. You can get um, directions and arrows to your next waypoint yeah. but then you can also get an image of the map and it will show you a route of where you've been as yeah. well so there's there's some really nice features within the view ranger app mm -hmm. um, and that works again with um with both android and ios brilliant yeah because mm. that's the other key thing is initially it was just without yeah exactly now ios exactly yeah with any any smartphone that will work alongside yeah and, and we've got we've also got exclusive features with view ranger for for the watch yes um so we've actually you know with our watch you can track directly on view ranger only using the watch okay whereas other brands you would actually have to still have your phone with you yes and it would record via the tether on your phone so yeah. this we're at completely exclusive so you're recording your track you don't need a mobile phone so you don't even need a mobile phone when you come yeah. back it automatically syncs with the exactly. app yeah. and transfers that up exactly that there. and then all your data is online to see uh, the great thing about view rangers you can see a 3d flyover of your route yeah. and it's and it's a really nice experience now it must be nice working with a partner like that because yeah. they, are, they are really the leaders in that field aren't they they are so yeah so it's um it's fantastic yeah mm -hmm. Really Brilliant. Good. Okay, so that's that's a, a nice quick chat about the Casio ProTech GPS watches. If you want to find out more, go to our website, which is gpsjourney.co.uk. Click on GPS store on the top menu, then on the left-hand side, you'll see GPS watches. And thank you for joining me on this month's podcast. Thank you. next thing we have on this month's podcast is Ian. So welcome back, Ian, who's our, a trainer from the south of England. Thank you very much, John. Very good. good. To talk to you. Thank you very much. So what mm -hmm. we're going to do on this month's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about going overseas. So as we're coming to summer months, a lot of people are going overseas with their outdoor GPS units. So we're going to look at um, some of the mapping options and also some of the other things you need to think about and some top tips, really, that you've uh, gained from over the recent years about going overseas with your GPS units. So in this little chat, Ian, we're going to talk about both Garmin and SatMap GPS units, aren't we? That's it. Yes, yes. So the um, settings, uh, you know, we can talk about both yeah. through um, through the podcast. Brilliant. So we're going to look initially about compatible paper maps and compatible maps, really, aren't we? So the key thing when we're going overseas in is well, the important thing is is that on the um, on the paper maps, it is hopefully um, everyone does carry a paper map with them uh, because the uh, GPS is uh, can have funny turns through the day um, <laughs> is to make sure that on the paper map that you buy it says that it's gps compatible um, and it'll be somewhere um you know on the on the cover on the front or the back um, and what does that actually mean then Ian, when it says gps compatible what does that mean then 
Well, what basically what what that means is that the grid system, there will be a grid system uh, on the map page mm -hmm. um, that will talk to effectively talk to your relate to the GPS if you have set your GPS with the same grid system. Um, and so it, it's sort of like, I mean, a lot of them I do know come as uh, latitude and longitude grids, yeah. uh, but there's, you know, um, there are other grids that um, we can use and which I do know are used on certainly the French and the Spanish and German maps, the UTM system. So, uh, yeah, so, so it's just a, um, when it's compatible, it means that the map talk effectively talks to the GPS and the GPS will talk to the paper map brilliant so that's really equivalent in this country it'd be ordnance survey grid reference that we would Absolutely. look at and that shows it compatible yeah. with the gps so again within outdoor gps units there are various grid systems and we need to make sure we can correlate this to the paper map that we're carrying with us don't we absolutely yes yes so that kind of brings us on to gps setup doesn't it so it's the position format is the information the figures the gps gives us of, of the fix of where we are or somewhere we'd like to go to isn't it that's it so probably um well if we talk probably um about the garmin units first yes uh, and then we can go on to the uh sat map uh units in a few minutes yeah so basically the position format uh that is the grid system that you're going to be using uh, all garmin units have uh, many preset grids in the long drop down list mm -hmm. and uh, as i say to a lot of people because i know that sort of like very popular destinations uh, for many of our customers are um, france and spain yes and uh, the two systems grid systems that don't exist within the gps is there anything to do with france or spain right <laughs> <laughs> which is I, mean, I actually find it quite quite interesting. You know, I mean, there are things, uh, there are other quite, um, shall we say, out of the way sorts of grid systems, position formats. But France and Spain, um, there's nothing there at all. So then the next um, sort of fallback setting is that you could either use latitude and longitude mm -hmm. position format, but a much, much, much easier system to use is the UTM system. Um, I mean, it, in many ways, I think the UTM system is quite a similar sort of grid system to the Ordnance Survey system. Right. How, how you read um, a, a grid reference uh, from the map, uh, it, it's very similar to the Ordnance Survey map. So it's a much easier uh, grid system to, to use if you're going to be in one of those countries. Yeah, so really, so when we're going overseas, we need to look at the grid system. Hopefully, the Garmin will have something that reflects that. If yeah. not, we could potentially use Latin Long or UTM, uh, UPS, for, as you say, countries like Spain, France, and Norway, can't we? Yeah. yeah what absolutely. else do we need to do when we end up in a new country? What other things do we need to do with our outdoor GPS unit? Well, the other thing is that uh, we need to... Um, make sure that the time is set to automatic yes again we're talking about the garmin uh, unit so if the time is set to automatic then the gps when it picks up satellites um it will lock on to local time yes so basically what you're doing is you're telling it that you're not at home and that you're elsewhere in the world yes um and then the other sort of like critical bit is the um it is the settings within the heading right and what we're looking at within the heading is we're making sure, which there should be anyway, that you're on magnetic yes. um, 
variation, detectomagnetic variation. Um, I think, as we all know, the variation in this country is very, very small. You yeah. go abroad and it's quite significantly uh, larger. Uh, so that's a very important bit. And the other thing is to, um, as part of the setup, is to calibrate your compass yes. as well. Yes, yeah. And uh, it's actually, so I've, I've had my GPS over the last few years abroad quite a few times and it's just quite interesting i just love it when it sort of like thinks you're still back in the uk yeah uh, and, and and then by the time you've done all these little bits and they're all, you know can't take more than about you know, i don't know three four minutes to do everything uh-huh. you know it, it's just so slowly seeing it just think oh it's not in the uk anymore it's elsewhere and it is um yeah and then it works well just like it does at home so let's say the um the other thing that um, I know for some time I have done, but I, I, I don't know whether it really is sort of like it bothers me that much anymore because the quality of the mapping that you can buy for foreign travel mm-hmm. is um, I used to sort of like at home, I used to create a waypoint yes. uh, on base camp to sort of like the hotel or the bed and breakfast where I was staying at when I was at home and then to the place where we were going to be staying at. And you know, you then turn your GPS off, go away, turn it back on again. And if you had calibrated it properly, locked onto satellites, picked up local time, then you know that you're in the right place because you, the blue triangle, will yeah. always be over the waypoint. But I said, like, think about it now. And I think, well, because mapping is just so good yeah. for foreign travel, I, I, I just don't think it's that important anymore. I don't know, really. Yeah. It's, um, and I suppose that kind of moves us nicely onto the mapping, really. So mapping has improved massively over over recent years, hasn't it? So if we talk about Garmin initially, um, there's, there's a number of mapping options we can we can think of when we're going overseas, isn't there? Yes, as I say, um, for I mean, it's not. Um, we've got the bird's eye select mapping mm-hmm. uh, for some countries. Um, it's not, uh, which is downloadable and. Um, downloaded through Basecamp, but uh, I, um, but really the only countries are sort of like Germany, Switzerland, France. So it's, it's quite a whole pile of like French, West Indian Pacific Islands. Yes. Um, actually, I did actually do a course, uh, a one-to-one training course with a gentleman in the New Forest about a year ago. And as we were going through the list of all these different sort of like islands, Yes. Um, John said, he says, oh, that's fantastic. I'm going there in three weeks' time. And I'm thinking, oh, it's the first time ever. <laughs> Someone has said, I can't remember which island it was, but it was some far way out island. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I say, it, it, you know, so that's the bird's eye downloadable mapping that you could um, certainly do. Um, we go to France a lot, and I've certainly down, you know, I've got quite a lot of bird's eye mapping um, for France. Um, which is one to twenty-five thousand. You have to just be careful for the downloads, looking at the map scale because they're not all one to twenty-five. Some of them are one to fifties. I think one of there's one of them is either one to thirty or one to forty thousand. So you just need to check what you're downloading. Yeah. Well, yeah, why, why you've been told that? You know, I just brought it up. So Austria, with the bird's eye voucher, Austrian East Alps, two thousand four square, four thousand square kilometer, one to fifty thousand compass mapping. France, one and a half thousand square kilometer, one twenty-five thousand IGN mapping. Uh, Great Britain, we we know is three thousand square kilometer, yeah. one twenty-five thousand mapping. Germany, option one, five thousand square kilometer, one twenty-five thousand BKG mapping. 
Germany option 2, 2,400 square kilometre, 1 to 50,000 compass mapping. Switzerland, 2,400 square kilometre, 1 to 50 compass mapping. And the Holy Island, oh, sorry, Holiday Island, Holy Island of Northumberland, sorry. Holiday <laughs> Island uh, is I'm two. Just on the John. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Holiday Island is 2,400 square kilometre, 1 to 50,000 compass mapping. And as you rightly say, as you, as you, you get a bird's eye voucher, which people know is £19.99, you uh, select which mapping you want. Onto. The majority of our customers use it to buy, download 125,000 mapping, yeah. but you could choose one of those other options and you could download that mapping. Very affordable, £19.99, and actually you can download a reasonable area and you've got the equivalent of the local mapping, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's very good as well. Yeah, and then the other alternative for Garmin users, of course, is open source mapping, isn't it? Well, yes, yes. As I say, the, um, you know, as I say, we, well, I think most countries in the world now, if you search long and hard enough, um, there's always open street mapping yeah. for whatever country you're going to. I know, um, I think it was towards the end of last year, we, you and I, we, uh, you were asked for some mapping for Kyrgyzstan. Yes. Um, and we've got a, apparently a, one of uh, a gentleman who I did a day's training with, he's driving in the Peking to Paris. Uh, rally, yeah, and um, we did some open street mapping for him for China, Russia, mm-hmm. um, Kazakhstan, and Mongolia. Yeah. So it's just a matter of searching around on the internet to find out what there is, and you know, there's some there's something for. Yeah. Most countries. I just did one this week, and this uh, interesting one is actually uh, the BBC uh, going to do some filming out in Zambia uh, with some oh, wow. uh, with some cheetahs. They were um, yeah. it's, it's the Bristol uh, Nature uh, oh, right. uh, yeah. um, Department's four yeah. GPS maps, sixty six S's with mapping for Zambia, which uh, was fantastic. And uh, just, it wasn't great mapping because Zambia is quite a wilderness, but it just gave them some nice base mapping yeah. uh, which they weren't yeah. expecting. So we put that onto their units before we ship them off down to Bristol before they're going out to Zambia at the end this week so it shows where we are so if you are wanting some mapping get in touch with ourselves and we can either download it and, and as you rightly say sometimes i pass these jobs on to you i guess i'm really struggling with this can you can you spend half an hour an hour and see if yeah. you can find out this mapping and because as you rightly say this it's very varied open street mapping you know you need that trained eye to look and go actually that's good or i think i can yeah. get better than it so uh, yeah. yeah yeah so I, I often do get in touch with you don't i say can you find this yeah. mapping for me and to see what we can do and of course, as we would dis- we discussed quite some time ago, John, um, with the Garmin Explore app now, yes, um, you've got you know if people have got Garmin Explore, the Garmin Explore app on their um, iPad, then they can um, there's open street mapping there as well, which is well for everywhere, which is great. It's yeah, very good. That's fantastic, brilliant. So for sat map then, so we looked at so Garmin, we've kind of looked at potential options. You, I must just say actually at the moment actually you can buy like full countries um, from Garmin with the official mapping but it is no yeah. £150 for uh, half of France and this kind of thing so if you are somebody who spends a lot of time and lives in a country no we can get that mapping into you but as you rightly say open street mapping very affordable and and, and is, is very good for you know if you're going away for a couple of weeks isn't it I was going to say for a holiday it's more than adequate definitely and that's the that's the thing I think isn't Brilliant. it and then for sat map users then yeah um, well again um Going to right really through settings, um, very similar really to a Garmin. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the within the settings from the main menu screen, um, there are three sort of like 
um, sorry, there are four little bits, uh, headings that you need to, to go into. Uh, you need to go into the GPS settings. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, you're setting up the um, GPS, making sure that it's uh, got the right um, GPS uh, constellations uh, selected. Uh, and on a, uh, I've even did a bit of homework for this. It's uh, on an Active 20, it's uh, the GPS settings are on uh, their item 14. Okay. <laughs> so, so there you go. So number 14 on the long list of settings. Um, and then again, we need to uh, go into the compass settings, mm -hmm. uh, which is item 20 on the settings list. Mm -hmm. And again, it, it, it's um, making sure that it's magnetic, magnetic variation. Um, then the it's a separate one uh, item, which is 21 for calibrating your compass. Mm -hmm. And then the final one is uh, the time offset. Yeah. Uh, which you just need to leave uh, for the 20, active 20 uh, set left at automatic, uh, which is item number 37. Um, for the active 12, it's exactly the same. So the headings are the same. They've got no numbers against where they are in the list. Um, the only difference being that the time offset uh, on an active 10 or an active 12 has to be done manually as opposed right. to automatically. So that's the only difference. So you just need to know if you're plus or minus whatever many hours from home. Right, that's okay. difference. Brilliant. And then looking at sat map mapping? Well, um, sat map have got a vast array of uh, products. Mm -hmm. And, um, you, you know, I think it, it's quite overwhelming, actually. I mean, quite a lot of it is, uh, well, not quite, so quite a lot of it's open street mapping. Yeah. Uh, other mapping is like the official mapping from the country of the, the country destination. So it's a, again differs in scale, um, but they'll um, you know they come on like little micro SD card, mm -hmm. or SD cards, micro SD card for the Active Twenty that comes with it, and uh, yeah, the fast rate. And um, I mean, it's not really that expensive either. It's um, you know it's very good value what what you get from um, through you know from SatMap. Yep. Brilliant. Yeah, they do have a, a, a massive range of mapping yeah. sat map and regions and things. So again, yeah. they they've yeah. really got a very good portfolio. And again, if there's areas that they've not listed, if you, if you get in touch with ourselves, we can get in touch with SatMap, and the SatMap will actually bundle countries together on cards or different map yeah. sets together because I think they must burn them individually as, as we as we request them. Yeah, I had a gentleman on a uh, SatMap course back in February who. Um, He's walking the Camino to Santiago de Compostela in Spain. Yes. He, he was doing the route from Alicante. Right. And SatMap did a custom card for him. Yes. For the whole of the Camino, yeah. you know, with just a, a strip of yeah. Camino with a bit of countryside on the side. And, yeah. you know, it's like a, a, um, a bespoke bit of mapping. And, you know, that's what they did for him. He was very pleased with it. I do, I do know that. Brilliant. So that yeah. nicely covers up um, kind of going overseas. So some of the key things there, which again, I'll just quickly summarise, look for a GPS compatible map, something that's got a grid reference that we can refer to that with your outdoor GPS unit. So when you're setting up your GPS unit, look at position format. And again, you, if you're unsure, use lat long or UTM UPS. Um, we need to calibrate our compass and we need to make sure we've got this magnetic variation um, and then automatic time 
Tone on Garmin or SatMap Active 20s on the 10s and 12 SatMaps. We potentially need to change that ourselves. Little tip there, you say create a waypoint of your house or your hotel so you know when you switch it on, you potentially are in the right place and you know it's, it gives you that a bit of confidence, which you're saying now with better mapping is something you do a lot less. And then um, mapping so we've got local mapping equivalent of our ordnance survey or we've got all this open street mapping uh, which you can get from ourselves or you can download that yourself if you start searching around the internet and again sat map we've got a very good portfolio of maps which are both open streets and local mapping so i think that kind of covers the whole going overseas this summer and uh, some of the key things you need to just remember so if you want to know more about the open street mapping that you get from ourselves here at gps training please just go to our website which is gpstraining.co.uk click on gps store on the top menu bar and then under mapping on the left hand side you'll see a sub menu which is garmin mapping and you'll see all the countries that we list there if you are going anywhere that is not listed and you want either garmin or sat map mapping please just get in touch with ourselves as click on the contact us on our website which is gpschain.co.uk and send us a quick message and we'll try and source that mapping for you The next thing on the podcast this month is we're going to look with a Magnetic North. So Tom's Candy joined me again from Garmin. And thank you very much, for Tom, for joining me. And we're going to look at Magnetic North. So initially, Tom, what is Magnetic North? So Magnetic North is one of the three different types of north that we use in, in um, outdoor navigation. And that is actually where your compass points. So mm -hmm. it's the direction, most northerly direction that your, your compass points to. The other two you've got is True North. Yes. So that is the actual centre axis of the Earth. And then you've got Grid North, which is where the blue lines, the northerly blue lines on your OS map or your map point to, which is kind of Grid North. So three different types. Okay. And the key thing in Magnetic North is it does vary, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not actually at the North Pole. It's not the North Pole. It varies according to where you are in the country. Yep. And well, I suppose it varies on a, on a the big, timely the big basis, news yeah. story that's been in, in the news. This and in the mainstream news, not just in the walking news. Actually, it started moving a lot quicker, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, than what they expected. They expected it to. So do. then, how is uh, what magnetic north? What creates magnetic north, Tom? Go on, <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> it's just, I, I googled this this morning, and and um, and. There's other factors play a role in where this magnetic north is. It's magnetic materials in the crust of the upper mantle is the main thing it comes, as well as electric currents created by flow of seawater. And these, these are well, these are small compared to the core field. So it's the magnetic things in the upper in the upper mantle which which does this. And this was a report that was done by a 2015 report on the World Magnetic Model. So that's how it's created this magnetic yep. north. But again, I say it's, it's slightly moving. And then back in 2014, there was quite a big change, Tom, in what we've got, isn't it? So yeah, it kind of apparently moved under Siberia, is that exactly correct? Right. And so it went over the axis, didn't it? So it went from a negative towards a positive. So it's gone from west over to the east yeah. side. And that's the first time it's done that since 1660. So it oh, shows how much that's moving, isn't it? Again, when it's moved, it starts off the southwest corner, Tom, doesn't it? And moves yeah, it moves across over the, the country. Because yeah. if we go across the country, it varies yeah. a bit, doesn't it? So uh, there's a website, there's a couple of different websites you can use, but there's a website, Magnetic Inclination, where they've got a map and you can can click on your location or any location and see the magnetic inclination at that point so there's kind of a line at the moment that kind of runs roughly by the m1 yes um so kind of anywhere to the east of places like nottingham uh, leeds peterborough 
um, are all zero now, so there's actually no magnetic inclination. Grid north is the same as magnetic north. Okay. And um, if you go west of there, you've got to take it's, it's a negative one, so it's, it's further over to the right to the west. And the, and I say why it hit the mainstream press a lot this year is they forecast how much is this going to move, and they got the forecast completely wrong. Yep. Because it's been moving at um, like just nine miles a year, but then suddenly it's jumped up to 34 miles yep. per year, this Magnus North, which is going to throw in the whole lot in it. So then coming back to us as compass users, well, Magnetic North is Magnetic North, because that's where our compass is pointing yep. towards, isn't it? But as GPS users, Tom, we've got options within our GPS units that we can change yeah, that to. Yeah, so um, the, the compass inside there is an electromagnetic compass, okay. so it's using the, mag the magnetic field to give you that direction, but you can ask the unit to revert to grid north, true north, and work one way or the other. I think really we need to address also why, why have we got these compasses in, G why have we got electronic compasses in a GPS unit anyway? What, what's the benefits of that? Yeah, so the, the kind of true benefit is giving the unit an idea of direction when it's stood still. Okay. So um, <laughs> if you can imagine, uh, for the Facebook viewers, it's really easy, but I'm holding the unit on the palm of my hand, yes. facing away from me. Mm -hmm. From a GPS point of view, if I turn it around 180 degrees, yeah. from a GPS point of view, it hasn't moved, it hasn't yeah. changed, so it's got no idea that it's exactly right. facing a different direction. Mm -hmm. But you're asking it to give you a direction that you're moving, right. even when you want to go, when you stood still. Um, so the compass does the slower speed, mm -hmm. it aids the navigation at much slower speed stroke standing and it's still. what we call a three axis compass as well yeah, it is it? yes you don't have to hold them level anymore or, or anything like so that. a traditional compass we have to hold level don't we yeah is it alcohol in it there is, is alcohol in, the, in a traditional compass or water? anyway yeah distilled water distilled think, water yeah. that has to be kept flat where with a gps it's got it's what's called a three axis compass yeah absolutely but we need to calibrate them we do. We need to calibrate yep. them. Spinning them around spinning three them different around, directions. Make sure it's all calibrated. Yep. So when we're setting up our units, um, how would you set it up? Because again, we've got the true grid north, true north, magnetic north. And I think you also kind of put your own can, personal You can have your own personal one, yeah. White, I think I'd that. stick with magnetic. It's okay. going to be the one that, that works most with your, the compass that you should have with you anyway. Yeah. Um, so it kind of, you're not confusing yourself by it giving you a different number to what you'd want to be working to in your compass right. we all should know the magnetic inclination roughly of the area that we're going to yeah. um, so then you can do that calculation either in your head if you need to if you're using sight and go or something like that um, but I'd stick with magnetic because it's then not going to confuse you if it's pointing slightly differently mm -hmm. to your mm -hmm. to what your compass is and all is. our setup sheets well the way we set our GPS units and the setup sheets we give in the online resource things we always like well let's let that as magnetic north yeah. really, to get the, the most accuracy so it's a bit interesting subject I say it's it's, it's interesting because it's been in the, the mainstream press no one could have stumbled across it in newspapers been on the BBC websites yeah, things yeah. about this big change in it and I think looking at what I've been researching it this morning is is I think because they had already predicted what they thought it was going to be but actually these predictions were widely wrong yeah so they've had to go back and look at look at this yeah it's something that we should all loosely follow you know yeah. for it right how well can we all take a compass out with us we should know roughly how much to take on and off for a bearing mm -hmm. um and it's something that you know i might have been a bit lax in checking over the years until it's come to the forefront i always just thought it was minus three and yeah can crack on <laughs> let's get on with it yeah great all right tom thank you very much for joining me and to have this quick chat about magnetic north no problem
The next thing on this month's podcast is Ian's FAQ. So welcome back, Ian, to this month's podcast as we talk over your FAQs, the most frequently asked questions you get asked on your courses over the last past few months. So welcome back, Ian, to the GPS Train podcast. Thank you very much, John. So, so as usual, we've got our Garmin and SatMap top uh, top tips, sorry, FAQs. We used to call them top tips, don't we? <laughs> so, so, Ian, what's your FAQs, your Garmin FAQs for this month? All right, so this month is, um, as we all know from time to time, Garmin do updates uh, for the GPS. And the question is that when I do an update for my GPS, uh, do I lose my tracks, routes, uh, waypoints when I do the update? And the answer is no. That was simple, wasn't it? <laughs> that was <a> good one. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's expand on this a little. Yes. Uh, Right, so basically, uh, when we do the updating, um, I, it, it's strange, a long, long, long time ago, um, I tried an update once with two Garmin Express, and mm-hmm. it was it was quite a few years ago, um, and the updating process like, failed halfway through. Yes. And I spoke to Garmin, and uh, they said, well, the only surefire way of doing an update is through the web update. Yeah and uh, they said it's just much more reliable and i know a lot of people who come on courses they don't know about the web updater they they will update their gps's through garmin express um and yeah everything's fine anyway i still do my updates through web updater um the web update is a little software program uh that you can download from the garmin website Mm -hmm. um if you're a mac user because if you're a windows user the web update is incorporated within Basecamp. Yes. So you can get into the web updater, but for some reason for the Mac, uh, there is no web updater program integrated mm-hmm. as part of Basecamp. Um, and really, and people say, well, how do I know there's an update? Well, I think at the end of the day, it's just when your GPS is connected to, to the um, your computer, you've got Basecamp open, um, then it will tell you that there's there's an update. Yeah. Um, I know that if you've just got Garmin Express, Garmin Express will tell you that there's an update as well. Yes. So either program will tell you. Um, and it is just a matter of doing the downloads. The, the important thing is making sure that you have a decent set of batteries yes. in your GPS. And um, as anyone will know, when they do the update process, there's like a little disclaimer box that you tick. Mm-hmm to say that you've got decent batteries and if it fails, then it's down to you and not down to Garmin because, uh, it, you know, it may end up having to go back to Garmin to be um, the, the, all the software put back onto the GPS actual cost. Um, so just make sure it has some decent batteries in the GPS and um, then uh, do do the update. But the last part of the update depends on battery power, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what Garmin are making sure that you you're sure of that you've got the update yeah. uh, you've got enough batteries to do the update um what it's doing is it's updating the engine if you like of the gps it's not affecting your uh route tracks waypoints so um there you go yeah so keep so, you so what you're saying is keep your units up to date we yeah. like use web data we up here when we update all our units before we send them out to customers we use gone web data <clears throat> Excuse me, and we also do the same with our training units as well. And what you're saying is, when you're updating the software, you don't lose any routes, tracks, waypoints, or anything else. So just keep it up to date, and uh, there's there's no nothing, no harm there. 
I think another question I do get asked actually, John, about the update is when I do the update, you don't lose any of the settings yes. in the GPS either. Uh, the only time that you are going to lose the settings is if, for whatever reason, you end up having to factory reset everything. Yeah. Um, then you can, well, then you have to reset your GPS up, but that's the only time you're going to lose your settings. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's the, um, and, 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 and also what I have found every now and again, someone who's got a bit of a, um, a, a G, they've got a GPS that's not behaving quite well, um, although they say that, yes, I've got the most up-to-date software, I do say to them, well, you can always re-download the same yeah. software version because sometimes, for whatever reason, the, the download may have become interrupted mm -hmm. and, as a consequence, um, that's why the GPS isn't working. So you could always try downloading it again and yeah. you're not going to harm, not going to hurt it at all if you do, do that either. Brilliant. So that's your FAQs for this month for Garmin is yeah. keep your unit up to date, use Garmin Web Updater and you don't lose any of your data when you do that. So, Ian, your SatMap FAQs for this month. The SatMap FAQs. So, um, I was running a course quite recently actually down on the South Downs for, uh, for SatMap and... Uh, there were one or two of our, our people who came on the course for the day. They, um, the, on the GPS map screen, there are icons. Mm -hmm. um, and they were disappearing after literally a few seconds. And then I think quite recently, um, Lynn in the office had a query, an inquiry from a lady who, for Active20 that said that she didn't want the icons on her map that they were on all the time yes. on the GPS map screen. Um, Basically, to have them on all the time or um, appear momentarily and then disappear, if you go into the settings from the main menu screen, uh, there's a, it's exactly the same for the active uh, 10 and 12. Uh, there's an option that says buttons control, button control. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's within that that you um, select whether you want the uh, icons on all the time or whether you just want them to appear when you press a button and then disappear. So when we with the icons, it's what pops out, isn't it, which just tells you what the button's going to do when you press it. Absolutely. So it, it, it's things like whether you're work, walking in track up or um, yeah. trail up or north up or zoom in and out. Um, and the um, if you've got different mapping on your GPS, um, the, the the layer of mapping that you're going to be looking at so that's right. that's that's those little icons around the edge of the screen on the gps and without them there you're going to see more map aren't you a larger area of map absolutely yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. fantastic so, so yeah. then you potentially can uh, minimize the icons on the gps screen so you can see much more of the map um why do we have a second faq for satmap i see you put two down you're going satmap <laughs> way aren't you you know you, you keep all our <laughs> listeners happy you know you say we're so garmin biased but not Ian. he's got two satmap well, faqs you see well i think it's just important you know represent represent satmap as, as much as garmin um <laughs> no it, it's it's just a very quick uh, question that we were asked uh, only about a couple of weeks ago um a uh, customer was trying to pair his mobile phone, the Bluetooth of his mobile phone, to his Active 20. Yes. Um, and um, he couldn't understand why it wouldn't work. Um, and basically, uh, the Bluetooth on the Active 20 is for a totally different purpose altogether. Um, it's got two Bluetooth systems right. uh, on the 
on the Active 20. Uh, one of them is a um, system for one Active 20 talking to another uh, okay. Active 20 to transfer routes. So that's that's one of the Bluetooth systems on the Active 20. And the other uh, Bluetooth system is to pair it with um, fitness monitors like a cadence monitor or a heart rate monitor. Uh, so you can't pair it with your mobile phone at all. That This particular Bluetooth system, it is literally for unit to unit or for the fitness products. Right, and, this, and the customer rightly kind of thought, oh, well, that's a Bluetooth, I've got Bluetooth on my yeah. phone, why I can't just tether to my mobile phone? Because yeah. that's what we're yeah. used to doing. So Absolutely. that's a really good top tip, actually, because to be honest, I would have thought a Bluetooth, I'm going to tether to my phone. But as you rightly say, it's not for tethering to your phone, it's for unit to unit pairing and also for uh, like heart rate monitor, cadence sensor, and this kind of thing. Yep. Absolutely. Brilliant. So I think that's right. re- some really good top tips there this month for both Garmin and SatMap users. Don't forget we have lots more top tips and solutions to all your questions in the GPS Training online resource. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, click on online resource on the top menu bar, and then log in. Select your unit, and you'll see the top tips for that unit down at the bottom of that menu bar. Many thanks for listening to this month's GPS Crane podcast. If there's anything you would like us to cover in future podcasts, please do get in touch. Also, if there's a guest or you work with someone interesting or someone who's using a GPS in an interesting way, please let us know about them and we can potentially interview them on a future podcast. Please do give us a call, especially if you're thinking about buying a new outdoor GPS unit. Please also take a look at both our physical GPS training courses and also our webinars. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, and click on GPS Training Courses. Please do tell your friends about the GPS Training Podcast and also about GPS Training as a business and encourage them to subscribe to the podcast on whichever podcast app they are using. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating iTunes on the Overcast player if you're an Android user. It is really appreciated. Also, if you can, please do leave us a, a snazzy review on whatever platform you listen to us on, because again, it helps our rankings in the podcast providers. Many thanks to Ollie, to Tom, and to Ian for joining me this on, on this month's podcast, and hope you manage to get out over the future, over the coming month, and get plenty of miles under your belts. Bye.